Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Let's get into the Word. We're going to launch from uh, three passages of Scripture today. I know we've been doing a lot. Don't worry, this is not a three-point message. This is a one-point message today. But we're going to look at two passages from the Old Testament, uh, one from the New Testament. And what I want us to do is see the, the continuity and the connection between these passages. Uh, what, what I really want to happen today is that we would tap into and have this revelation and understanding of what God's purpose is. What is the Father doing? What does he care most about? What, what is the Father's greatest passion? What is his greatest desire? Um, and once we see that, of course, what are the implications for us for that? Once we get this picture of what God is doing, what he cares about, what, what, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be important to know what God is most passionate about, what his dream is? So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Let's start in Genesis chapter one. We'll put it up on the screen for you. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the uh, heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Note that God had made man and woman in his own image. And then his words to them were as image bearers, go and multiply, multiply, fill the earth. Next verse, Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How's that for a bold prophetic statement from God? And so here we have very similar language to the Genesis passage we, where we had fill the earth in Genesis. Uh, it, there's this prophetic restatement, the earth will be filled. It will be done. And then tying it all together, Jesus, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. There's this similar language to fill the earth. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Title of this brief message today is Fill the Earth. Fill the Earth. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that you would flood our hearts with revelation. Lord, would you speak to us? Would you cause something to awaken in us of your purpose? Father, would we've 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 seen it in a, in a head knowledge sense we've heard it 
It's in our heads, but Lord, I'm asking that you would cause it to travel to our hearts, that we would hear you, Jesus, speak to us today, that we would we, we would grab a hold of this ultimate purpose of yours, Father. Would you speak? Would you open our eyes? And God, would, would, there, would you empower us to lay down our lives for this mission, for this purpose? Can we, can we even just in this moment say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to speak to me, shift whatever you want to shift, change whatever you want to change. If there are misplaced priorities in my life, just pray a prayer, something like, Lord, I want your purpose to be my purpose. Father, would you grip our hearts with what has gripped yours in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I've... Um, shared many times before. I was born again as a uni student, 21 years old. And for me, finding Jesus was in many ways a shift out of a life of complete and total purposelessness into this life of feeling like, man, for the my life matters. Like I exist for something significant and important. When I was, before I found Jesus, I was, I can remember once hanging out with my friends and to give you an extent of the, a, a picture of the extent of my life vision and sense of purpose, I told them, I, I remember saying once to my friends, on the day that I die, I will have smoked a joint. That was my bold declaration. And the summary of my sense of purpose on the day that I die, I will have smoked a joint. It summarized my reason for existing. That essentially, I just wanted to escape from reality. And what's what I find interesting is that is essentially no different. Now, other people may use other means than I was using to escape from reality, but this is pretty much what I've found that most people are trying to do in life is in this sense of almost like pushing down the despair that tries to creep up in the reality that they are far from God. They, they fill their lives with all these other things to just escape from their sense of meaninglessness and purposeness. It's the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's let's find whatever idols we can find to fill our life with and worship just to escape from this sense of purposelessness that I feel. But something very powerful began to shift inside of me from the moment I was born again. From the moment I began to feel this sense of purpose growing in me. I would never forget the first prophetic word that I ever had in my life. I, I, I wish I had it recorded. I wish, I, I wish that there was... A, a way to to go back and to hear that prophetic word again. But I can remember some key points of it. And I remember these key words of floods of God's power in my life and floods of God's presence. And um, I just felt for the first time in my life that, man, my life matters. There is something God has called me to. And he began to speak about this 
this call to lead God's people. And I don't even remember what else, but I just remember leaving there with this sense and feeling that my life matters. I, I have a purpose, a calling, and a destiny. I was gripped with a sense of purpose. And I could no longer be just a Christian that just showed up at church. But there was, there, I kept feeling um, thrust out of my comfort zone by the Holy Spirit. And all of us have this same sense of calling. This is true for all of us. I don't know about you, but I'm surely, as you began to walk with Jesus, you began to see, man, there is something about my life that, that is supposed to matter in eternity. You know, I love that quote from Gladiator, the old classic. I don't know if anybody's seen that movie. I'm dating myself. Anybody seen Gladiator? A little bit violent, so, you know, for the kids. But, it, you know, he talks about this there's, this. there's this line in there about our lives echoing in eternity. That, man, when we begin to follow Jesus, there's this sense that, man, I want my life to matter, not just in this life, but in the life to come. I want my life to matter. And the more I began to see, spend time with God and, uh, and read the word, the more I began to realize that my purpose is actually intertwined with Jesus' purpose. That the reason that Jesus came begins to uh, shed some light on what my ultimate life purpose really is. And I began to read things about how Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and how he came uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he came with this mission to do that by making disciples. And I began to read passages about, you know, Jesus saying things like, um, he who saves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And that and the gospels really stood out to me of Jesus was calling me not just to into relationship with him, but in relationship with him, there was to be a, a, a complete and total submission to his cause. The thing that he's passionate about, he wants to put in my heart and make me just as passionate about it as he is. And it was something about the gospel. And so he began challenging me out of my comfort zone of living a life that was really all about my own dreams and ambitions. And suddenly my, my internship at Merrill Lynch and my plans in business were no longer enough for me. I wanted my life to matter beyond that. Not that there's not a Holy Spirit calling into the realm of business. But there was something that God was doing inside of me that, that, that was connecting me into a, a, a vision that he was calling me to live. And so I began to hear him challenging me to take responsibility for other people's lives, to not only care about my own spiritual growth, but to begin to invest and, and own and have some ownership in other people's relationship with Jesus, helping them follow Jesus. And then I began to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me about just something beyond my own little sphere of influence, something beyond just reaching my family and my friends. And he began putting in me this, this heart and this passion for the nations, which 
really made no sense because I didn't even have a passport. I was an ethnocentric American living in Memphis, Tennessee, and didn't have any thought ever about the rest of the world. And then all of a sudden I would find myself, I did this leadership training program after graduating uni, and every Friday was Holy Spirit Friday, Holy Ghost Friday, and we would just spend the day laying hands on each other and speaking in tongues and, and praying. And there were these moments where we would just have maps out, world maps, and we'd be laying on the floor, laying hands on maps, interceding for the nations. And God began stirring in me this passion. And so I still had this sense of maybe a call to business, I don't know, but I just felt right now I want to to go back and reach uni students. So I went to the University of Memphis, back to where I graduated from and started this campus ministry. And I found God just burdening me for the nations. Not, not the nations out there, but this realization that the nations of the world were right here on my doorstep on the university campus. Hello, Curtin University. And so the very first student that I led to the Lord, this, this kid named Vijay from India came to Christ. And I've, I began to see God using me to touch the nations in my very own city. And then we moved to Melbourne in 2003 to work with a church, reaching out to uni students at Deakin University uh, in Melbourne and went out and man, I just started with a passion for the nations, led this Zimbabwean kid to the Lord. Niasha Hamadzaripi was his name. And he was like the man of peace, the connector. And before long, our church of 150 people was about one third Zimbabweans with a few Botswanans and a few Kenyans. And we had this revival amongst this Zimbabwean community uh, reaching the nations. Who would have thought that I would have, God would send me to Melbourne to reach Zimbabwean students at Deakin University. And we started a uh, uh, a leadership training program there, uh, reaching out. It was like uh, we made up our own little red frogs, like trying to just find some way to reach these these Aussie, young Aussie students that that just weren't as easy to lead to Jesus <laughs> as the Zimbabwean students. But long story short, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we begin to get plugged into God's purpose. And that may be to take the gospel. One of the things I love about what, what the Holy Spirit has spoken over our church is that there would be something significant about us influencing the mountains of influence in our culture and in our city, that we would reach into the business realm, that we would reach into education, into the political sphere, uh, into media, into arts and entertainment, that God would use us to disciple the nations right here in our very own city. The more we walk with Jesus, the more we get plugged into his purpose. And so what is that purpose? Here is my one point sermon for you right here. Are you ready for it? This is God's ultimate mission. It is to fill the earth with followers of Jesus who bear his image and reflect his glory. This is the exact same dream that was stated at creation, when he made man in his image, man and woman in his image, and told them to have dominion and to multiply. He, his plan was always to fill the earth 
with these little image bearers that would reflect his glory. That was always the plan. Now, it was very crucial that these image bearers would remain in close and intimate relationship with God. That was the only way that they could reflect his image. And so all Adam and Eve had to do was stay in close relationship with God. They would bear his image and reflect his glory as the people of God multiplied through the earth. Now, the problem was, was that there was an enemy that did not want, he hated God. He had already been booted out of heaven and did not want image bearers of God multiplying. And so what he wanted to try to do was mar the image of God and stamp his image on these image bearers and multiply his own image for his own glory. And so the enemy tempted Eve, Adam rebelled, and the image of God was destroyed, partially destroyed. And this is where theologians distinguish between the natural image of God and the moral image of God. After the fall, Adam and Eve still carried the natural image of God. They remained spiritual beings who have creative power, creativity. They have the capacity to relate deeply like the Godhead, and they have and had still a conscience. There was a soul part of them. There was something that would live forever that was reproducing and multiplying. And so humans all today still have this natural image of God. There's this natural image, but because of Adam and Eve and their sin, we no longer, just through being born, carry the moral image of God. And this is why humans, people, have value. This is why it's okay to kill animals for food. It's not okay to kill people because people carry the image of God. Humanity has value as image bearers. But because of Adam and Eve's sin, humans no longer carried the moral image of God and could no longer achieve God's mission to fill the earth with his glory simply by multiplying. They could no longer fill the earth with the glory of God. But it was in this state of humanity that God prophesied that next verse that we looked at. The earth will be filled. It was like God was saying, even though it's all gone wrong, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In other words, I still have a plan to achieve what I always intended to achieve, to fill the earth with my glory. And so it was during this time that, that there began to be these prophecies about this Messiah who would come, who would restore the moral image of God, who would, would set things right, uh, restore people to their pre-Adamic state, and even better. And this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He died for us, paying the penalty for our sin, removing that which separated us from God, 
so that when we turn to him in faith and repentance, we are made new. The capacity to bear God's image in the fullest sense is restored. When we are born again, we are not only image bearers of God in the natural sense, we become moral image bearers of God. And as we multiply, we begin to fill the earth with his glory. And so now that promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea is a promise that the world will be filled with Jesus followers, with Christians who bear his image and reflect his glory. This is why Jesus said, teach them to obey. Help them to become moral image bearers. Let them reflect my glory in the way that they live. He talked about being a city on a hill, letting your light shine, be a light in a dark place. Let the glory of God flow through you into your sphere of influence as you bear my image, my full image. But I love the finality of that statement. The earth will be filled. Points to the fact that God's plan of redemption, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, will be successful. People will be brought to faith in Christ from every nation in the world. There will be Christians from every single, not just nation as in uh, geopolitical boundary sphere, but nation as in ethnicity and people group. There's something like 17,000 of them. Every single one of them. This is a promise. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is a promise of the worldwide triumph of the gospel before the return of Christ. Every people group will be reached before Jesus comes back. That's what he said. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all ethnicities and then the end will come. There will be no end. Jesus will not return for a defeated church that failed to achieve the Great Commission. Jesus will return for a church that has been victorious in filling the earth with the glory of God. We begin to see some When we, when we think about the glory of God filling the earth, it goes beyond just the earth being filled with people who will go to heaven to sounding something like, I don't know if you heard the interview that Pastor Corey Turner did with Chris Ballatin. I posted it on the Telegram. If you didn't hear it, you need to hear it. But he began speaking about the call of God's people to, 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 to not just exist and be, but to, to be used to transform culture. And when we talk about going beyond just, uh, you know, we talk about making disciples of the nations, but is there a degree to which Jesus has called us to transform the cultures of the ethnicities of the world prior to his return in discipling cities and nations? What does it look like to uh, make disciples of the nations? What does it look like? At the very least, the ethnicities of the world will all have some kind of church planting church amongst them. 
All right, we've got a long way to go. Don't expect, apart from some, some miraculous, rapid multiplication in a very short time by the Holy Spirit, which is possible, don't expect Jesus to come back without a whole lot of work from us, a whole lot of laying down our lives for the Great Commission, for, for this call to disciple the nations. Peter talked about hastening the return of Christ. There was this sense that you can, there's a day where Jesus has come, but you can hasten it. You can bring that day closer. That there is something about the return of Christ that hinges upon our laying down our lives for the Great Commission, for this passion, uh, this, this thing of the, the earth being filled with the glory of God to, to fill our hearts, to burn in our hearts to the degree to which I don't know what it looks, but God, you got to show me how I live that in this sphere of influence that you've given me, whether it's business, whether it's media, arts, entertainment, sports team, wherever God has placed you, what does it look like for this, for this burden, for this thing to burn in my soul, like it burned in the soul of Jesus. Jesus came to grow the kingdom of God. This is what this this is synonymous. The kingdom of God is the place where the glory of God is radiating radiating out of the people of God. It's the realm of God's dominion and rule. It's it's the places, the spheres that are being influenced by God's glory, by God's presence, radiating out of God's people. When we talk about our mission to advance the kingdom through the nations, this is what we're talking about. This happens as we multiply disciples who are image bearers, who are bearing the moral image of God, who are shaping and transforming that sphere that God's placed them in. I wonder what it would look like for us to more reflect this heart of Jesus for the nations. We had a prophetic word from Roma Waterman for our church that we would become known as the church of all nations. Come on, that gets me excited. I don't know about you, the church of all nations. And so I began to look at the nations that are represented right here in our city. And I began to think about the nations of the world at Curtin University. And I've been dreaming this week about what it would look like for us to host a, uh, to, to maybe through Red Frogs, to have a uh, international student host family program where we begin connecting international students with with people in our community, hello, that would be you, who would like adopt them and would begin to just have them over for a meal and spend some time with them and begin to show them the city of Perth and take them around and learn about their culture and let them learn about you. Let them learn about what you're passionate about. That's how VJ come to, came to Christ. University of Memphis, he was my international, I was his host family, just me, single dude, host family. Sorry, VJ, I'm all you got. I'll come hang out with some of my friends, but uh, Church of All Nations, let's begin to let, let's begin to lift our vision and and uh, you know let's believe God for hey how about South Africa we got already in Zimbabwe and um, we we we're, we're Kenya Kenya yes what other nations we got already represent oh Poland come on I was so excited when when we had Greg and Asha show up, because it was like the first fruits of beginning to see new nations coming to the church of all nations. I mean, we're still Numa Church, Perth South, but we will, they, how, how, 
what would it look like for us to have, we, we got to believe for every nation that's in the city of Perth, what does it look like for refugees who, who've come to this city to, to find Jesus? Maybe there's a, a nation that God has put in your heart that you can start to reach out to. I mean, when we had this, uh, God began to speak to me about Greg and Asha and, and, and had this prophetic word, and it was the same word that they got before they left that God was going to use them to reach the Eastern European people right here in the city of Perth. So God is going to raise up a people here from the nations, a representation of those whom Jesus died for, from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That's why he was slain, Revelation 7, 5, 7, one of those. This is why Jesus has given us influence through red frogs. This is why the door has been flung wide open. We've been crying out to him and asking him. It's because his heart burns for the nations. His heart, his heart burns for the ends of the earth, which is all these Aussie students. This is the ends of the earth right here, right? I mean, you might be able to get a little farther to New Zealand, but I think this is the ends of the earth, right? This is why God is opening up doors of favor to us. And all we need is just our hearts to burn. Andrew prayed in our prayer power gathering that when we're praying for red frogs in Curtin Uni, that it would be a joy. This wouldn't feel like it would be laborious, but it would be something that, that we would be excited and happy about and, and it would bring pleasure to our soul. And let me tell you, it's actually really fun. Just ask Rita. She had a great time. It's just going and being friends. Just be a friend. Just be a, a mom, a dad. Be a, a friend to these lonely students. But man, when the fire burns in our hearts, it's just a joy. It's just easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It's just, Jesus, I love these people like you love them. And whatever I can do to reach them, just use me. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. 
You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.